our second question. What is mercy? And we're going to be tearing up Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, pretty much through this whole thing. Uh, right off the bat, we're given mercy's antonym in these verses in chap, uh, chapter 9 and verse 13. It says, again, and we'll reiterate a lot of this stuff too, uh, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So the opposite here of mercy is sacrifice. And um, to, to get an idea of that, let's, because Jesus is quoting out of the Old Testament in Hosea chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 4 and read through verse 6. It says, What am I going to do with you, Ephraim? What am I going to do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist and like the early dew that vanishes. This is why I have used the prophets to cut them down. I have killed them with the words from my mouth. My judgment strikes like lightning. For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So there's a stark contrast here that's brought up. But God here is accusing the people that their love is like dew. It's fleeting, and after it's dried, all that's left is an empty form of burnt offerings. All that's left is empty religion. God wants us to be alive in our hearts when we do things. Not formal religious duties performed just because it has to be done. Like, well, it's got to be done. We pulled up this morning, Brother Andy was out there pulling a stick off to the side. You know, I, he did it because it needed to be done but he did it because I believe he loves the church and he enjoys taking care of it. But anybody could have seen that and just walked up and been like, well, ain't nobody else going to do it, so I'm just going to drag it off to the side, right? God doesn't desire that out of us. And I feel like sometimes we can probably get in a mindset where we think, well, ain't nobody else going to do it, so I guess I'll do it. That is uh, at the heart of what God is speaking at here, one of the many things that he's speaking at. But God wants you to be alive, excited about what you're doing, the things that you're carrying out, and you can get caught up in those things. We'll talk about that, though. Um, as the Pharisees were caught up in those things, the trifles, the small things, crossing their, dot, or crossing their T's and dotting their I's, making sure that all the check marks in the boxes were marked off. Jesus saw these sinners in, in this, and for those of you who... Uh, weren't here last week we'll just take a little bit of time to read as Jesus went on from there in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9 he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him follow me and he got up and followed him while he was reclining at the table in the house many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples when the Pharisees saw this they asked his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners now when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus saw sinners as sick and pitiful, as dead and helpless, in need of a physician, and he is the great physician with the only meaningful remedy. The Pharisees here in this uh, in this particular time, had uh, all they could see was a ceremonial problem. All they could see was a problem with becoming contaminated with other sinners. Uh, 
Uh, and something huge is about to happen here. Something magnificent. Something that I pray and hope has happened to each of us here in this room. Uh, and they couldn't feel it. They couldn't see it. They didn't know what was about to happen. But uh, because they were so worried about the trivial issues of the ceremonial cleanness. And eternal sickness was about to be healed. This, so, in essence, the opposite of mercy, whenever it comes to mercy and not sacrifice, the opposite of mercy is bondage to religious triviality. If one is focused on their own sacrifices or the sacrifices of other people, what you're doing, you will stifle mercy in your own heart. You will stifle mercy in the hearts of the people that surround you. You will worship your sacrifices and the sacrifices of other people instead of the only sacrifice that matters, and that's Christ. When we're focused on the sacrificial things, when we're focused on religious triviality. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, I'll just read it for you. It's going to be kind of a, uh, I just wrote it down here to try to get through it quick. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! You do all these things, but neglect the more important matters, justice, mercy, faithfulness. And this is where it kind of, I kind of start paraphrasing here, but I mean, if you read the rest of the verses for yourself, go back and read it. He says, blind guides to the Pharisees, full of greed and self-indulgence, you old whitewashed tombs, snakes, blood of vipers, totally empty and void of any mercy whatsoever. They just looked clean on the outside. They were worried about that ceremonial cleanness. A great obstacle and enemy, by the way, this right here is not mine. I will not take uh, credit for this. A great obstacle and enemy to mercy is the obsession with trifles in life. The small things in life. Crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's. The bondage to triviality. The bondage to the small things is the curse of the unmerciful. Focus on the weightier matters. This is my challenge to you. Focus on the weightier matters. Justice. Mercy. Faith, because these are at the core of our salvation. If it was not for justice being served on Jesus, I would not have had mercy. And that mercy brings faith to me. Without these three things, you have nothing. So stop before you start feeling like you're ready to argue over something and think, does this matter in the big realm? Before you start saying, I cannot fellowship with this person, or before you get ready to fight with somebody, stop and ask yourself, does this have anything to do with salvation? Does this have anything to do with the gospel? Because you are in danger of stifling mercy if it doesn't. There are four aspects of mercy that we can find in Luke chapter 10 and verse 33. And we'll spend two weeks on what is mercy or what should a merciful person look like, but four aspects of mercy that you'll find in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. And again, this will be a little paraphrase, but write it down, record it, go back and read it for yourself. <clears throat> a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where 
he was. So if you go back and you read this, you'll see that there is a man on the side of the road who had been beaten. He fell amongst thieves and left on the side of the road to die. A Levite and um, a, a, a priest and a, a, a mus- musical minister had went by him. We'll go, by, we'll go through that later. Went past him, saw that he was of this certain race and didn't want or that he was just nasty and filthy and they didn't want to have anything to do with him so they passed over him the Samaritan found him and we all know the story right a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was the man who was beaten on the side of the road and he saw him the first aspect of mercy or a person who shows mercy is a person who sees distress a heart of mercy sees distress I'm not telling you to be foolish in this you know what distress looks like We've all been distressed. You know what real distress looks like. When he saw him, this is the second aspect, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Mercy responds with compassion or pity towards the person in distress. Number three, he went to him, bound his wounds, set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. The third aspect is mercy responds with practical effort, practical, to relieve the the distress. That's external. And it acts even when the person in distress is an enemy. This Samaritan helped this Jew, and by by all, you know, understood things back in this time, that Jew hated him, and there was no reason for him to help him other than mercy. The Samaritan understood mercy. An eye for distress, a heart of pity, an effort to help in spite of enmity, that's mercy. The priest and the Levite stand for the same thing in this parable that the word sacrifice stands for in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. Empty religion. So to end this part of it, go and show mercy like the Samaritan showed mercy. Why did Christ choose to illustrate the opposite of mercy with a priest and a Levite? Why choose a pastor and a minister of music? Could it be a warning to us that many get caught in the mechanics of religious activity with no eye to see distress, no heart to respond with compassion, and no effort to bring relief of the gospel? Might that be our prayer today, that we don't fall under that particular thing. I don't think that we do. I, I feel a bunch of mercy flowing out of this church. I don't know about y'all. A bunch of sinners come in here to gather and talk about the gospel and try to learn just a little bit more about God and spread the gospel just a little bit more. So, uh, Brother Andy, would you pray for us, please?